Welcome to Sports and Stogies. Now, introducing your hosts, Cameron Winklewitz and Austin Hayes. Go ahead and pull up that chair, pour up that drink, and light that cigar. It's time for episode 70 of Sports and Stogies. Cam is not here tonight, nor is Shane. It is the first ever solo show of SNS with just me. Going to try to get about an hour in, mostly just on NFL, a little bit of NBA, and of course recapping the college football national championship game. A little weird, for sure, being on your own, talking to just yourself, nobody to bounce off of, but, you know, we're going to put in our best effort and hopefully give you guys a show worth watching and listening to. Guys, you really picked the worst show to miss, the pre-playoff NFL show. A lot of predictions to make, a lot of recaps, predictions to go over, but I will do my best here flying solo. First things first, I'll do Shane's job with the promo. You guys can find us at Sports and Stokies wherever you guys listen to podcasts at Apple, YouTube, music, whatever it's called now, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, Google Podcasts, anywhere out there, we're on there. And then social media-wise at Facebook, X, Instagram, of course, YouTube, Reddit, TikTok, all at Sports and Stogies. And then I really want to promo, of course, we love all of our shops here, but especially Tip Top Smoke Emporium right here in Springfield. Stopped in today, picked up my Cigar of the Month Club for January. Another great banger from Greg Burke, our guy. This month features the E.P. Carrillo Short Run Robusto, the La Flor Dominicana Ligero TCFKA, which stands for the cigar formerly known as Mysterio, now called the Oscuro, in a uh, very elusive 7x55 Perfecto shape. Gorgeous stick. Next up is the Crown Heads La Carême Pastelitos, a 4x54, kind of a nub, smaller stick, but packs a lot of flavor in that package. And the bonus for this month is the Oliva Nub 460 Maduro, which again, small stick, nice half hour, maybe a 45-minute smoke, but a lot of flavor in a small cigar. So, of course, check out their shop. The best selection around that I've seen, period. And if you're not local, go to tiptopsmoke.com and get uh, all their products shipped to you guys, wherever you may be. And before I forget, which I will eventually, guaranteed, let's knock out the ad read. Of course, this episode brought to you guys by Evan Keaton, a certified personal trainer. You want to get back in shape after the new year? He's the guy to go to. Contact him at email allthingsfitness15 at gmail.com, cell phone 937-308-6324, and a website at allthingsfit.org. Personal trainer brings the gym to you, brings the equipment to you, and now has group classes at his location in both low, medium, and high intensity levels. Let's see my smoke tonight. Not a pipe, not a vape. I am a cigar guy here. And I'm going with one I picked up today at Tip Top. The La Galera Anamoy. Anamois. Not quite sure on the pronunciation, but it is a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, a Dominican Republic Corojo binder, and then fillers from the Dominican, Dominican Peloto, and Criollo, Criollo 98. So a lot of things going on here so far. Excellent burn. Solid white ash, um, holding strong so far. I um, mean, gorgeous wrapper, nice and oily, no seams, very well made. This is my first stick from La Galera, but flavor-wise, and there will be some dead air tonight as it's just me puffing with nobody else to jump in to talk. It's definitely dark, which I like a lot. A little bit of dark chocolate, some coffee, some nuttiness little bit of pepper, but not overpowering. And overall, honestly, a little more subtle than I expected, just based on the blend. 
But so far, I'm a big fan. I'm definitely, I got it in their Connecticut as well, which I'm not a big Connecticut guy, but it was recommended. And I'll try anything once, right? As far as fan questions go, I had a couple lined up. I'm just going to do one because it's just me here. NFL-wise, should there be a hiring freeze until the playoffs are over? This, of course, in regards to teams that are already out of the playoffs. Should they be able to go and interview active teams, coordinators, coaches, assistants? So be it. Ah, You know what? I'm not a fan myself. I don't like having a team like Detroit with two very young, talented coordinators already being interviewed, even though they're still prepping for a playoff game, but they're getting interviewed and requests for interviews by teams that need head coaching positions. Look, wait three weeks, or wait until that team is knocked out of the playoffs, and then interview those guys. I don't like having an active coach, which still has a coaching job to do, who of course wants to eventually become a head coach, having to worry about that while he's got a playoff game in front of him. I think that, that, that's, that cheapens the game. It cheapens his job currently. And it detracts from the overall playoff uh, atmosphere, right? I mean, if Ben Johnson left right now, Lions have a playoff game, no Oko, that sucks. That's bad for the game, bad for the team, bad for us as fans to watch. Shane, your, your thoughts on that? <sighs> well, dude, you know, I kind of think it's uh, one of those things, you know, that you just got to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Cam? Look, man, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, it's going to happen. It's football. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. All right. Thanks, guys, for those uh, very in-depth opinions there. NFL news and stats-wise, Black Monday did come, and it came... Expected for some, and then shocking for others. Of course, no surprises, Arthur Smith and Ron Rivera both gone. Arthur Smith literally at 12.01 Monday morning slash Sunday night. Again, not shocked he's gone. Shocked it was that quick. They clearly had their minds made up there already. Even though they had talked about wanting to keep him, you know, save him stability there. But after three years, not a good record. And even besides that, just not a good play caller, not good for the culture. Had to go, so no surprise there. Same with Ron Rivera. Look, great man, decent coach. And with that new regime in there, new ownership, of course they wanted to get their own guy eventually. You would think the job would go to Eric Bieniemy. However, the commanders have hired former Warriors, I think former Golden State Warriors GM, and another former GM, in a, I think, in the NFL, to help their search for head coach and new GM. Which is definitely unorthodox, but I kind of like the idea of getting people who have experience building programs up and building organizations to get their input. Now, will they make the right choice? It's still Washington, so we get to be seen. Again, you would think, because they brought in Biennemi, they would just promote him to head coach, but he didn't have a great showing as Oko in his first year. Yes, somehow a lot of yards, but overall, I think in scoring, they were like the 18th overall offense, which is not great. And then the big shocker came out today. Mike Vrabel gone in Tennessee. Ownership apparently had the idea to trade him, but they said it was going to take too long, and they don't want to miss out on a chance to get one of their leading candidates before somebody else gets to them. So I guess that part makes sense, but didn't see that one coming at all. I think Mike's a very good coach, potential to be great. And now, you know, based on what happens in New England, rumor is he's the favorite to go coach the Patriots. Assuming Bill is gone or is traded or, you know, the classic mutual split slash retirement. Who knows there? Either way, definitely one of the most coveted coaches in this market right now. Question is, what's the most coveted job? If you're a head coach, where do you want to go? 
I still think LA. I don't think Atlanta's bad. I think Carolina's a tough place to go to. Tennessee, complete rebuild, really. You got a lot of work to do there. That's not a very attractive spot to go. A lot of things here, especially with uh, apparently rumors of Jimmy Harbaugh, after, spoiler, winning the national championship, will be coming back to the NFL. Is he the guy teams go after first? Is it Vrabel? Who knows? Does do the Raiders fire, or not even fire, do they uh, put Antonio Pierce back into the D.C. role and go hire a new head coach? A lot of questions, especially after the playoffs and if guys that are currently still employed, do get taken for a head coaching job. We'll find out a lot more here in these coming months. Other firings, the Panthers do fire their GM, which again, not a huge surprise there. And then Wink Martindale resigns as the Giants' defensive coordinator after getting pissed at Brian Dayball because Dayball fired one of Wink's right-hand men. So, volatile situation there. Definitely odd as I go for another puff here on my cigar. Got to try to keep it burning here as I'm talking with just myself. Of course, it did go out, which I'm not surprised by. I think Wink is a very good coordinator. Um, head coaching, probably not in his future. But heavy blitzer with the right personnel, the right team, could be a great pickup for some of the needs. Maybe if if the Lions do lose their coordinator to a head coaching spot, they could bring in a guy like Wink Martindale. And then again, you go back to Belichick. Was that his final game in New England as head coach or period? Rumor is he's being maybe offered or being told to step down as GM and just remain head coach. I could see that. I don't hate that at all. If he wants to stay with a team in any capacity, that would probably be the best bet. But maybe they want a whole fresh start and kick him into the curb and bring in a guy, former player, former captain like Mike Rabel, and completely change that culture. Problem is, you're still stuck with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, so a lot of things to do there besides just get rid of the best coach of all time. In other potential last games, Derrick Henry, with a very passionate post-game speech in the stadium, on the mic, to the Titan fan base, and then in the press conference thanking every single member of the team staff, the equipment crew, the clubhouse guys, all the fans, of course, the guy's only 30 years old. Still runs like a monster. You know, you do worry about injuries going forward. But I think for a team like, dare I say, Dallas, who could use a goal line back because Tony Pollard's not that guy, it could be a valuable piece uh, to a team like maybe Minnesota, who, again, kind of has that hole there for a running back period, let alone a big physical third down slash goal line back. Either way, great career, definite Hall of Famer going forward, and one of the Titans' best players, frankly, of all time. News-wise, I think, at least for now, that is about it. Stat-wise, a couple great things here as the season ended up. C.J. Stroud, the fifth rookie quarterback ever to reach 4,000 yards through the air in his rookie campaign. I mean, we've said it. Every single week here on the show just continues to impress with the arm strength, the decision-making, the footwork, the patience, the pocket presence. Looks like a 10-year vet out there as a rookie. I mean, the Texans to go literally the first team ever to have a rookie head coach and quarterback and make the playoffs. What an incredible season for them and for C.J. Stroud, of course, himself. Other rookie records being broken, Puka Nakua. Breaks the rookie reception and receiving yards record. And you look at all the records held by wideouts right now, right? Most yards in a season, Calvin Johnson. Who was his quarterback? Matt Stafford. 
all-time receptions in a season, Cooper Cup. His quarterback, Matt Stafford. And now rookie receptions and yardage. Puka Nakua, his quarterback, of course, Matt Stafford. Kind of a nice little correlation there. For the first time since 1935, way back when, one division finished with all four teams above 500. Of course, the AFC North with the Ravens, Steelers, Brownies, and yes, even the Bengals, all finishing at least 9-8 or better. The 19th straight season with a different NFC East champion, a league record continuing to grow, and will probably continue next year because I don't see Dallas repeating in this chaotic, wild division. But the streak is due to be broken, so who better than us, right? Let's see, player-wise, Montez Sweat, the first player in history to lead two different teams in sacks in the same season, sixth with the Commanders and six and a half with the Bears. Great trade, and that defense really completely turned around once they added him to that front four. Two more things here. The Ravens, the first defense in history to lead the league in both, in all, not both, in all three of these categories, sacks, takeaways, and points per game allowed. As if Lamar and that offense was not enough, this defense competes with the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed defenses of old, of that, that great 2001-2002 defense. And last but not least, the Packers, the youngest team to make the playoffs since at least 1978. And, and similar to Texas, I mean, the, the Texans, you know, they kind of overachieved. Bryce Young, Bryce Young, what an idiot. Jordan Love, although he is older than the guys, you know, that he's being compared to, like Stroud, like Bryce Young, still just technically kind of a rookie. You know, his first season starting. But the real deal, great season. And they have a great young core of wideouts. Good enough O-line. Defense needs a lot of work. But I think firing that deco and revamping that system will definitely have a better effect come next season once uh, our boys knock them out of the playoffs. Either way, great seasons from both Houston and Green Bay. If you're a fan of either of those teams, you've got to be excited for the future and for the present, honestly. Let's go into the IR. A couple things of here to note. Biggest one being TJ Watt, strained MCL, out for at least the divisional round. Should they advance, who knows, up in the air? Hate to see it. He had two more sacks against the Ravens. And another great campaign. His third year leading the league in sacks out of the last four. That fourth year when he missed seven games and still had like 13, 14 sacks. Probably should be DPOY yet again, but he won't. Because kind of like the, you know, the LeBron Jordan talk, you're so used to it. You want to see somebody new. You know, when TJ puts up 16 sacks in a year, it's like, yeah, he's supposed to do that. You know, <laughs> give me something new here. And then even more significant for the team, maybe, is, you know, Detroit rookie tight end Sam Laporta. Hyperextended knee. Apparently a long shot to play the divisional round game against the Rams. I'd be shocked if he did. Probably shouldn't. Hold him out. But definitely a big loss for that offense, both in the passing and running game. He's a great run blocker as well as a, if not equal to, if not better, run blocker than he is a receiver. And he's you know incredible at both. And then the entire Dolphins defense, critically banged up across the board and, and took some more injuries in that loss to Buffalo. They did bring in Justin Houston to help have <laughs> a third pass rusher on the entire roster. Will it be a factor? Probably not. But he's a body. He's somebody that can at least rush and draw some attention from the O-line. So uh, a necessary move there to get somebody else on that line to hopefully put some pressure on the quarterback. 
It's a shame, too, because that defense, when healthy, is so strong, so balanced. A lot of great pieces, but they've just been totally struck with the injury bug, honestly, all year. And, and worst of all now, going into the playoffs. I'm going to take a quick break after a strong 20-minute start here. going to relight my cigar and go into the film room and break down the playoff brackets. I did power rankings by conference for the entire playoffs and go over at least my playoff predictions from the beginning of the season. SNS episode 70, back after this. All right, I am relit. Still totally even burn, no flavor change. Thankfully, it was only maybe an inch in when I had gone out, so flavor should not be affected there after relighting. Although typically, each time you relight, it's going to be a little hotter, a little more... uh, you know, smoke on the tongue, not as much flavor from the actual tobacco. So if possible, try to avoid letting your stick go out. But again, with a one-man show, things are going to happen. Now the film room. After a great final week of the season, it's a couple winning in games, a couple games that had to be won that could maybe get teams into the playoffs if things had gone their way. None more so than the Pittsburgh Steelers getting the win against the Ravens' backup squad, but a win's a win. They had to win, and they had to have a couple of things happen to get in the playoffs, but those things did. Steelers in as the seventh seed. You know, if you had gone back to the beginning of the season and told me that Mason Rudolph would lead the Steelers to the playoffs, it still would not have been, you know, even a top 10 craziest thing that's happened this season after a a very bizarre year that it's been. But here we are with Pittsburgh going to Buffalo with a chance to possibly move on in the AFC playoff. Another win and in-game loser is out. The Texans over the Colts in an excellent game. Maybe the best of the entire weekend, especially given the circumstances and stakes tied in with that. Another great game, yet again, from C.J. Stroud, who... The pressure apparently has absolutely no effect on. Um, Their first play from scrimmage was a 75-yard touchdown pass to Nico Collins. Even with some injuries, with no Tank Dell, with no Noah Brown, the offense is just very, very diverse, even without really a great run game at all. You know, Singletary, 24 carries, 63 yards, a 2.6 average. Not great. Not what you want. But CJ got the job done. And even with a great game from JT on the ground, 30, 188, and a score, Colts had their chance, could have scored there at the end. But on a crucial fourth and one, fourth and two call, they took JT out of the game, threw a flat route to the third string running back, which was open. The play call worked, the execution worked, the throw from Gardner. Not great, not great. Probably could have been caught, but was off the fingertips of the third string running back, and the game was over after that. Either way, Colts fans, don't hang your head. You guys, again, overachieved all year, a team that should not have been in the spot they were in to begin with, especially with a backup quarterback. And yes, Gardner is a competent you know, QB in this league, but he's a backup for a reason. You know, those those kind of situations is not what he's meant for. Is it his fault? Not necessarily. Again, he's not supposed to be there. But even then, to lead that team to nine wins, a great first campaign from Shane Steichen and a very bright future in Indy getting AR back, hopefully fully healthy next year. The game with maybe the most on the line Closed out the week, closed out the season. Bills, Dolphins. What would have been a potential lose and out game for the Bills did not, that didn't happen that way because other teams won and lost that both teams would have been in regardless of the outcome. But the winner would take the division title. (laughs) I swear. Both teams tried their damnedest to lose this game in the first half. I mean, wild turnovers. Typical Josh Allen. I mean, he had one arm punt, but one terrible pick. 
and then a one wild ricochet off a hand, touchdown, back of the end zone, tiptoe catch, Willie May style. So many weird breaks for the Bills especially, but really for both teams. And the question remains, you know, even with the banged up defense, which I get, can the Dolphins beat a good team and get over that hump? I don't know. Uh, right now, especially given where they're going, I don't think so. But they shouldn't be in this position to, to, to begin with. I mean, they, they could have beaten the Titans. They were up 14 points with three to go. Lost that game. Which, if they had won, would have meant this game would be meaningless. They would be hosting a playoff game. They would have been the two seed. But then, you know, they lose that game and now lose to Buffalo. Now they have to go to Kansas City. Which, in the playoffs especially, is not where you want to be. Allen finished, even with those weird turnovers, 30 for 38, 359, two scores, two picks. Um, of course, led the team in rushing, 15 attempts for 67 yards on the ground. Great game from, oh man, Khalil Shakir, 6 for 6, 105. Diggs finally made an appearance again. Dalton Kincaid, great game. God, man, this, these teams are going to battle for a long, long time in that division. Hopefully in a, in a you know, a, a sexier style than this game was in. Somehow only 21-14, although it felt like it could have been both 7-0 and 49-42. Sloppy. Neither team can win a playoff game playing in that style, but they clean things up, especially Buffalo. Buffalo, at their best, can beat anybody, which we've said before. Let's see, moving on to oh, a complete free fall for the Jags. They choke away the playoff spot and yet another bad loss, losing five of their final six games. This one against the Titans. Yes, it was on the road, but Trevor Lawrence yet again, two more picks. Had a wide open Calvin Ridley with two to go in the fourth quarter on what could have been a game-winning or at least a game-tying drive. Missed that ball. I thought after what he showed last year, he'd get better and progress this year. But, you know, healthy or not, it's not been there. Absolute turnover machine. Unclutch. And uh, from a team that had a 70% chance to be the one seed just two months ago, to now completely miss the playoffs, huge disappointment in Jacksonville. And uh, a great win. In Henry's final potential final game, likely final game, as a Titan, to play spoilers to a division rival. Again, trying to maintain this cigar, staying lit. I could pause every puff, but that get tedious, and it probably wouldn't flow as well on uh, <laughs> on air. Going into the NFC, of course, my boys lock up the two seed in a game that honestly didn't matter. Um, even I mean, unless they would have lost and Philly would have won, things would have changed. But we had the tiebreaker. Loss wouldn't have mattered. We had the two seed. They had at least division locked up. But man, absolutely <laughs> torched the commanders. Dak puts a nice bow on a great season. 31 for 36, 279, four scores, one pick. Off a batted ball, which is not great, but either way, another great game for him. CD finishes a, his best year yet. At, before the night game, was leading the league in, in reception yards, but Tyreek did pass him back up. But 13 for 13. Only 98 yards, but two tutties. I lose his ninth straight game with a receiving touchdown. Playing the best ball of his entire life. Hopefully, that continues going into the playoffs. Deron Bland, another interception. Love to see that. So momentum going into a home playoff game. Um, liking where we're sitting right now. On the flip side, the Eagles, a <laughs> complete opposite. You lose 27-10 to the Giants. To not even the 
Italian stallion, as Shane would say, but to Tyrod Taylor, who put up a 300 on that defense. You got to be in full panic mode as a Philly fan or a Philly player or coach, right? I mean, this team is supposed to be on par with the Niners at the top of the conference, and they are just not there. Complete freefall, losing really the easiest part of their schedule. I mean, of course, after the Niners and, and Dallas, you know, games are very, very tough, but you lose to Seattle, and you lose to the Cardinals and Giants in games that really, really mattered in terms of your division and getting to host a playoff game versus having to go on the road. Hurts fractured or dislocated or it looked ugly <laughs> the middle finger on his throwing hand and now he's questionable for his not to play but questionable for his efficiency going into the the game here in Tampa but yeah again just no no rhythm no connection here no momentum things look pretty bleak and maybe Sirianni really is losing control of that team and that locker room And then last but not least, the final playoff spot to be locked up was the Green Bay Packers. I really thought the Bears could have a better showing and potentially play spoiler in Green Bay. But Jordan Love said not so fast. 27 for 32, 316, two scores, only 17 points total. But honestly, the game wasn't as close as the score would suggest. Aaron Jones finally back, hopefully fully healthy. 22 attempts on the ground for 111 yards. I uh, wish he would have done that all season for my fantasy team, but, you know, you get what you get. And again, you know, like Houston, like I mentioned earlier, a team that probably wasn't expected to be here so soon. And how spoiled are Packers fans, man? You go from Favre to Rodgers to now what looks like a very established young quarterback in Jordan Love. What a great solution to the biggest problem that any team has, who's your quarterback, and will he be there for a long time? Looks like the Packers have that guy. <clears throat> now again, I wish the boys were here for this, but I have done a full playoff rankings for both conferences overall. Starting with the, let's go NFC first. The seventh spot, I have the Bucks. Yes, division winners, but 9-8 and eight in the worst division in football. They get to host just based on the rules that we have, but I think they're definitely the weakest team in the playoffs on the NFC side, maybe in the entire playoffs. Yet, I, <laughs> I mean, they're kind of scary. I might pick them to beat the Philly, being at home. You know, Baker, absolute gamer, good receiving core, defense good enough. And with Philly having absolute, you know, every kind of problem possible on both sides of the ball, it could be an upset special. But either way, Tampa at 7, the same vein, Green Bay at 6. Love what they're doing offensively. However, other side of the ball is kind of a mess. Having to play Dallas is not uh, going to help that. We should torch them, even with McCarthy's history against his old team. Shouldn't matter. But again, you know, no harm in being six after being the youngest team since, what I say, 75 to make the playoffs. Bright future ahead. The five spot, I got Philly. Talent-wise, and they could be top three, could be top two. But execution-wise and on-field performance-wise, it's not there. I debated putting them even below Green Bay. But I think just because of what they can do, what they've shown they can do, they got to at least be the five. But my fourth spot is the LA Rams. Who can I almost put in the three? They're playing incredible ball. I think they've won six of their last seven. Offense firing on all cylinders. Defense playing better than they should. I still don't think, you know, two minutes to go, you need to stop. Can they step up? I have doubts there. But altogether, tough to doubt Sean McVay in a playoff situation. And then the top three, of course, are the top three seeds, Lions, Cowboys, and the Niners at the one spot. No surprises there.
AFC-wise, um, this is where maybe I could get some pushback from either Cam and, of course, always Shane with his, uh, his mind-boggling takes sometimes. But I think the clear pick at seven is, is Pittsburgh. Um, again, not a great roster, but Rudolph getting the job done. Somehow Najee is now the first Steeler in history to have three straight 1,000-yard seasons, which is just completely mind-blowing. Especially considering that you watch him and you think this guy's terrible. But again, three straight 1,000-yard seasons. He's doing something right somehow. But just, just does not pass the eye test. Um, defensively, again, losing T.J. Watt, huge deal. And I don't think they have enough on either side to advance past Buffalo, even with Buffalo playing their worst game. And I think overall the AFC is just so... These next six spots, really, you can make a case for any of these teams being in the top two. Of course, the one I think is pretty well set in stone. But I'm going Houston at six, just because they are still so young, so green. I have some questions still about the defense. And I want to say it's tough to go against a... It's tough to go in support of a rookie quarterback in the playoffs on the road. But clearly, C.J. Stroud, not just any rookie quarterback. I don't think you have to worry about him in any kind of you know pressure spot in those situations. Three years from now, they'll be the one seed. You can take that to the bank. I can almost flip them with the five seed, or the five spot at least here, Miami. Mostly because, yes, they can score, but they can't beat good teams, and the defense is so decimated. Like the Brownies' defense, except their scheme is still so good and their depth is so good that they've not really lost a beat. Miami, not quite in that category. I don't think Justin Houston is the answer there to, uh, to solve all their problems. And, you know, even with, you know, Tyreek banged up, Mostert and Waddle both missed the Bills game. It's really, I mean, across the board, health is an issue. But even fully healthy, you know, against good teams, can they put it together? I, based on the four teams I have ahead of them, I, I, I don't think so. I think they're rightfully the five spot. Four seed, the Bills. Again, at their best, could be two, could even be one. But inconsistent and... At the end of the day, is, is the question is how much do you trust in Josh Allen to make the right call to not turn the ball over, in the red zone especially, which he's made a huge habit of doing now. And as a Bills fan, it's got to be so frustrating to watch. Uh, again, defensively injured, but still performing at a high enough level. I think they win their first game, but I don't see them making a deep run. And if they played anybody but Pittsburgh, I could see them getting bounced in the first, but I think they get by the Steelers at least. Three spot again, of course, is the Chiefs. Yes, this is the worst offensive Chiefs team that we've seen in the Mahomes-Reed era. But experience, you still have Mahomes, which is enough by itself. Still have Reed, enough by itself. And the best defense They've had, uh, maybe ever, definitely of, of Mahomes' tenure there. And come playoff time, ultimately, defense does still win championships. And who would have thought? Number two, with elite Joe Flacco, the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the five seed, yes, being on the road. But I think, given the fact that they were in our actual top five power rankings last week, I think in the three spot, if not the two. And from what we've seen from them, with Flacco taking over, it's a whole different team. And not to mention Flacco is, I think, 6-0 and in divisional round playoff games in his career. I think he's 8-0 on the road in playoff games in his career. And they kind of got the best matchup they could have gotten in the first round against a young, inexperienced Texans team. And of course, one, the Ravens need no, no more words said there. Clear, obvious. Um, I think the best team in the entire playoffs and the front runner to win the entire thing. 
So there's your seeding. Let's go back and look at my predictions for the playoffs from four or five months ago now. Some right, some egregiously wrong. NFC first. The Packers at seven. Checks out. I had Cowboys six and uh, getting the wild card because the Eagles, I thought, would be the best team in the conference. Didn't quite work out that way, but they, those teams did both make the playoffs. Ah, my biggest miss here, Niners at the five spot because I thought Seattle would win that division, take the two seed. Clear that that did not happen. Got a little cute there, but you try to think outside the box. Four seed Saints. Still probably should have won that division, honestly. I think roster-wise, they're better than Tampa, but didn't quite get the job done. Three seed Lions on the money. And again, Seahawks two, Eagles one. Not great. Not great, but we'll take it. AFC-wise, uh, the seven through four, not bad. At Steelers seven, again, hit that. Bills six, which it would have been had Miami actually won either that game or the game against Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Chiefs five. Dolphins four. And then my top three all missed the playoffs entirely. I had Chargers three and winning that division. Clearly that was a dumpster fire. I had Bengals two, which is at least understandable. You know, nobody predicted Joe Burrow going down. And even with Jake Browning still being 9-8, and eight, all things considered, a successful season. And I had the Jags won, which looked great two months ago until that abysmal free fall. And now they miss the playoffs entirely. I don't recall all of Cam and Shane's picks. I know me having the Dolphins at four was the lowest spot amongst the three of us. I think Shane had Dolphins one and Cam two or vice versa. NFC, couldn't tell you. Probably Niners, Eagles, some combo there. And of course, my playoff, my Super Bowl matchup was the Bengals and Niners, which one of which should happen, could happen. One of which, of course, cannot Let's see, full bracket prediction breakdown, which again, I wish we had all three of us here for, but I'll at least give you mine. Starting with the AFC first, you got Steelers in Buffalo to take on the Bills. One of the few games without a clear storyline, at least, because uh, the script writers really killed it with this entire first round. Um, should be cold, bad weather. Um, probably an ugly game, but I think the Bills would definitely take this one and move on to the next round. In the Watson Bowl, the Browns and Texans. Maybe the best game on paper of the entire first round. Should be a very even matchup. Very fun matchup. Should be close throughout, but I think the Browns' stout defense does enough to kind of maybe not get Stroud off his game, but at least challenge him enough to, uh, to get a dub there. And the Brownies, Getting the win and moving on. Dolphins, Chiefs, Tyreek's first game back in Kansas City. On paper, great matchup. However, as I puff there, it's going to be negative five at least in KC, which is not good for any team, but least of all the Miami Dolphins. Tua is 1-9 in games below 50 degrees in his career, let alone below zero. And again, with all the injuries, all the question marks there on defense, not that I think the Chiefs' offense is, is you know, spectacular, but again, being at home, having experience, and probably an edge on, at this point, both sides of the ball. I think Chiefs win by at least 10 points. First round in the NFC, you got Packers-Cowboys again. McCarthy against his old team. I won't say I'm not concerned because I do like Green Bay a lot. A lot of good weapons there. But we should definitely handle business. Cowboys move on, but again, by at least 10 points. Hopefully get off the lead early. 
control the game. I think we have enough pass rush to get after them, but regardless of whether we stop them or not, I don't I can't see a possible way barring Dak completely turning the ball over every drive where that Green Bay defense stops us or holds us to anything below 30, honestly. You got the Rams going to Detroit. Matt Stafford back in Detroit on the opposite sideline. Like the Browns-Texans, I think this could be one of the best games, if not the best game of the entire first round. I love Detroit, love Dan Campbell, but I'm going to go with a hot hand and take the Rams on the road in a slight upset and have them move on. And then last game of the first round, Eagles in Tampa to face the Bucks. I've talked about it all day. Momentum means something, especially this time of year. Eagles have none. Bucks have that gritty it factor, the Baker factor. Should the Eagles win? Yes. Will they? I say no. Got the Bucks moving on in a very close game. Potential last possession kind of game. But I've got Tampa moving on to the next round. And let's stick on that side of the conference, or that uh, the bracket, I guess. Um, Niners facing the lowest seed, which for me is the Rams at the sixth. Niners-Rams divisional matchup. Seen it before. Should be high-powered. But at this point, even Dallas, I mean, there's nobody in this conference I think that can really hang with the Niners fully healthy and on all cylinders. Uh, especially at home, I got Niners winning pretty handily against the Rams and moving on to the NFC title game. Oh, man, here we go. Dallas, Tampa Bay. Uh, this game will be a lot different than the first round for the Bucks. defense, especially at home with the likely MVP, Lamar Jackson. Ravens get it done, but in a close game to go to the AFC Championship. And then yet again, the Bills, Chiefs will meet. This time in Buffalo. Chiefs on the road. And likely, (laughs) you would think, bad weather in January in Buffalo supposedly the Manning-Brady of this generation, Allen, Mahomes, McDermott, Andy Reid. And as bad as they've, I'm not even saying, I can't say as bad because they've not been bad. They're just not the same old Chiefs. As human as they've looked since Mahomes has been there, I still think the Chiefs get the job done because I think that defense is good enough to get Mahomes, I mean Mahomes, to get Allen to make bonehead, Josh Allen plays, turn the ball over in crunch time. I think Casey goes on the road for the first time, goes on the road at this point in the playoffs and gets a dub and meets Baltimore in the AFC title game. And here's where things get tricky, right? As I'm fighting to keep this stogie lit right now, but we're hanging on. Just like me, we're getting the job done, right? Ravens Chiefs in Baltimore. I want to give a nice breakdown, but we said a lot before, the Ravens are too good on in every aspect. 
you know, barring Lamar going down to injury, uh, I don't see how you stop Baltimore. Ravens represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And Niners and Cowboys. I've talked about it all year. I cannot believe in Dallas until they finally prove that they can beat not just a one or two seed, but specifically the Niners, our kryptonite. Realistically, conventionally, everything says pick the Niners, right? And I never pick with my heart, at least try not to. And I want to go outside the box, but I don't think it's that far-fetched. I think finally, this is the best Dallas team I've seen in my lifetime. Everything clicking, Dak playing his best ball, probably ever. Defense playing their best ball, probably ever. Can we contain San Fran? Overall, no, but I think we can do enough. And more importantly, I think we can score enough. And as long as we win the turnover battle, or at least don't commit egregious turnovers like years past, and as long as Mike McCarthy does not single-handedly lose this game, I've got Dallas finally beating San Fran on the road, avenging the loss, the blowout from earlier this season, and going on to the Super Bowl against Baltimore. Yes, I said it. And I wish Cam and Shane were here to, to give me shit for that. But I don't think it's that wild. And I can't, as a Boys fan and a, a Devil's Advocate, I can't pick the clear Ravens Niners. That's no fun, right? Will it happen? It should, probably. But it's no fun. I'm trying to mix things up here. Which, of course, brings us to the actual Super Bowl, the game to end all games. Ravens, Cowboys, for all the marbles. Again, I want to pick my boys. It should be a great matchup. I think two of the most talented, if not the two best defenses, minus Cleveland, in the league. I think our smaller size and great speed on defense helps us here, containing Lamar. Gus is physical, yes, but he's not a guy that's going to get the ball 35 times a game. I think we can handle their weapons, you know, one-on-one, or zone if need be. The ultimate question, of course, is Dak against that defense. I think we can beat the San Fran defense. I don't think either Dak or McCarthy has the answers as great as we're playing right now. To figure out that Baltimore defense, I think we lose the Super Bowl to the Ravens, but we at least get there, which for me is enough for now, until next year, until next year. So at least for one of us here on SNS, that's our prediction. Ravens over the boys in Super Bowl, what is it, 55, 58, 79, who's counting, right? Let's see, let's take a, uh, let's go to break real quick. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up shop after this with the Michigan Playoff Championship. Some quick NBA news, and of course our usual segments. For one last time, episode 70 of SNS back after this. And now, welcome back to Sports and Stogies. Hey, what's up guys? Back at you here for the last final break here. Final 10 minutes, give or take. Approaching the hour mark, which I'm actually pretty happy with. First things first, I gotta apologize to guys like Colin Coward. Anybody who talks by themselves on a radio or TV show, props to you. I mean, I'm losing my breath over here. It's kind of tough. Not even taking out the, you know, no one to bounce off of thing. Just talking to yourself for an hour. Go try it. It's pretty difficult, honestly. So hopefully it's not been too bad to listen to. I'm uh, trying not to breathe into the mic so much. Or, uh, you know, leave too much dead air. But overall, I'm having a good time, at least. So, congratulations to all you Wolverine fans out there, and the players, and Hardball. After the whole, you know, us against the world, the two-month-long Connor Stallion sign-stealing drama, guess what? doesn't matter now. 
You guys are champions. I was hoping, of course, for UW. But I think overall, the game kind of went the way that we all thought it would. Michigan, too strong, too physical. Running game, too good. Ian McCarthy made the plays he had to make, which were not many. Because at the end of the day, the, the Washington front four just could not get enough pressure and could not stop the Michigan running game. You know, Edwards, two carries. His first two carries, 84 yards, two touchdowns. First quarter, I thought the game was over off the bat. You know, the Huskies could not stop, frankly, me running up the middle. And I'm in terrible shape with no wheels, at least not Shane wheels, as he's still training those. Uh, but the, you know what? They made it the game. They adjusted in the second, third quarter. Defense really tightened up. Made some plays when needed to. Offense played, man, so many missed opportunities that they could not capitalize on. Uh, of course, it hurts being banged up. You know, Dylan Johnson hurt pretty much his first carry. Was already hurt prior to the game. But a true warrior going back out there, trying what he could. Which was still, you know, he played well for what he, for what he had to do. Uh, same with Penix. I mean, only sacked once but took so many hits. Again, he's been banged up all year. But, again, a warrior. Uh, a great talent, great arm. But didn't play well, honestly. Really throughout the entire game. Too many missed throws on throws he should have made. And some that really could have changed the entire game. There's one to Odunze that he was wide open on a corner route, and he broke out when he could have broken in, and Panics kind of misread it, missed the throw. Would have been easy six. Would have changed the entire momentum of the entire game, but off his hands, incomplete. And that was really the story. I mean, they had, Washington had like 15 false starts, I swear, and more that could have been called, especially in the fourth quarter, that were not called. Uh, they just weren't quite ready for that kind of moment, I guess. It was pretty much an entire Michigan crowd, which will factor in. It's got to factor in. But overall, you just wonder what could have been. You know, I think Washington's better than what they showed. But not to detract from, from Michigan, man. Defense so good, so stout, both in coverage and the run game. You know, pulled away late after that very competitive second, third quarter where things were really tightened up, was must-see TV. And the fourth, you know, they did what championship teams do. You know, they established a run game again, controlled the clock, defense tightened up, made plays, got turnovers, and got their first championship. Technically, this is 97, but their first outright title since, what, 48, I think? And it puts an end to the four-team playoff era. Buckeyes win the first one. Wolverines win the last. And what overall was honestly a, a pretty entertaining game. Pretty great. Um, I don't think the score totally shows how close it was for most of it. Outside of the first six minutes in the last four or five, probably. Either way, props to you guys. Definitely add some more fuel come next year in the rivalry. I know there's a rematch between UW and UM, I think in October, uh, as one of their introductories to the Big Ten. And honestly, man, until, until the Ducks and Huskies can really prove, and USC for that matter as well, until they can prove they can be physical enough, I don't think these additions are going to change a whole lot of things for the Buckeyes and Wolverines. And even Penn State to a degree, Yes, they're still little brother to us in Michigan, but I think they can handle these smaller West Coast teams that really cannot hang with the, not even the old school Big Ten, because we have added a lot of speed and, you know, different aspects to the typical, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, physical offense and defensive kind of game. But I'm excited, you know, see what next year brings. Unfortunately, it'll probably be like, four Big Ten teams and five SEC teams in the playoffs, which, look, at a certain point, we're going to head to two major conferences anyway. I don't think it really matters your your conference going forward, but it'll always be the argument, you know? 
I saw the point. I think Booger McFarland made that. You watch Michigan and you realize that you don't have to have the top-tier quarterback. Which, again, nothing against J.J. He's been very good all year, does not turn the ball over, which is one of the most important things to do as a quarterback. But you don't have to have that guy to win a title, which makes even more, you know, it, it, it enforces the point of Florida State should have been in. You cannot hold their star quarterback being out against their undefeated record. But it's cool to see for the first time, you know, because looking back at, you know, years past, you had Joe Burrow, you know, Bryce Young, these top-notch quarterbacks winning titles that this year, you know, it wasn't just the best player. It was the best team overall, the best defense, the best offensive line that, that got the job done and won a championship. So at least, you know, a nice change of pace in the college football landscape. And now, does Harbaugh stay? Is kind of the next, the next step going forward. I guess he hired Tom Brady's agent, which to me is not a sure thing that he's going pro again. But, you know, you get that championship, you get a call from the Chargers, or dare I say, New England. Do you make that move up? Do you bail after a championship? Once again, you know, time's going to tell. Let's go on to some quick NBA news. <clears throat> I had a couple questions and talking points, but again, with just me here, I'm not a big enough NBA guy to go over these by myself. I want Cam and Shane's opinion on those. But news-wise, a couple of significant injuries. Ja out for the year after just nine games back. Not because of any off-field conduct or off-court conduct, but uh, torn labrum in his shoulder, which is a tough thing to come back from, especially a player of his you know, style. Hopefully he recovers fully. He's electric. He has shown that hopefully he's you know, turned things around personality-wise and behavioral-wise. And they were, they were a much better team once he had come back, at least you know, for those quick nine games. And then a scary moment with Tyrese Halliburton. It looked really bad going into a full split um, in Boston. Thankfully, it appears to be only a minor hamstring strain. Should miss hopefully just two weeks, maybe a little bit longer, but avoided a serious, serious injury, which is great to see. He's been having such an incredible year so far. So hopefully he comes back healthy and keeps that moving forward. And then uh, signing-wise, contract-wise, Eric Spolstra, a huge eight-year, $120 million deal, I think, extension with Miami. You verify that here. Yeah, eight-year, 120-plus, which I think is very well-deserved. I think he's still the best X's and O's coach and getting the job done with what he has, coach, in the league. Even better than Popovich, honestly. And he's still, you know, relatively young dude, you know, coaching-wise. Um, so I think it's money very well spent uh, by the Heat organization. And then, of course, you have Draymond coming back. I want to talk about his comments he made on his podcast. But I think we'll save that for next week with the full crew here. So uh, they can really sound off on those. But he is going to be one of our bumps of the week. So final segments here. Let's do a stick pick. Let me reach into the bucket. Uh, I'm only about halfway through my smokes. I'm not going to do a full cigar review. But overall, the La Galera. I want to say that was the uh, Animoy. Animoi. Animoi. Who knows. Um, was, was great. And will be great once I'm done here with the show and, and finish the whole thing up. Um, I'd definitely be looking for more of their products going forward. And again, you can get those all at tiptopsmoke.com or the Tip Top Smoke Emporium here in Springfield. Let's reach in here for a nice band in the ever-overflowing cigar band bucket. And we have the Alec Bradley Trilogy, the Corojo. 
You guys know if you love the Magic Toast, which of course is Alec Bradley. We love all things Alec Bradley here on SNS. So that's a nice, cheap, I think like $9, $10 stick. Um, great smoke. As all things AB usually are. Close but no cigar. I don't think I locked one in this week. But as for cash-wise, I'm going to go with the Rams plus three in Detroit. I'm going to go with, even though I picked the Browns to win, I got Texans plus two and a half. And then Chiefs minus four, I think, is a stone-cold lock. Um, should be at least a touchdown game in that brutal weather. Unless Mahomes, you know, comes out of the game or dies on the field. So it's a $10 bet to win 63-11. Bum-wise, we're going to go with the Colts' final play. Again, I feel really bad for the running back there. Uh, Post-game, he was in tears, talking about how this is his one chance to, to prove himself, and he won't be back in the spot again. And, you know, only his mom and dad love him right now, which you got to feel for the guy. It's a really tough spot to be in, you know, on that stage. On a ball that was very tough to catch, I get it. Especially as a third-string running back. You know, that's a, a tough spot to be put into. So him, Minshew, and also Steichen for pulling Taylor out of the game and not putting Zach Moss in in that spot. Overall, the Colts' final play, bum of the week. In the same vein, the Jags. Kind of just the, the entire past month and a half. But especially a chance to, if they had if they'd beaten Tennessee, they're in the playoffs. They win that division, no less. They're hosting a playoff game. But they lose, miss the playoffs entirely. Five and six, five losses in their last six to close the year out. Again, healthy T-Law or not. Brutal way to end the year off right there. And then Draymond. Again, for reasons I wanted to get into more here, if the guys had been here, but you guys follow the news. You see the comments, the comments he made uh, talking about how he threatened to retire to Adam Silver, and Silver said, I can't let you do that, so you'll be reinstated. Come on, dude. Who are you kidding? Come on now. Bum of the week, maybe bum of the year, this year, <laughs> early candidate for 2024, Draymond Green. And we'll say fourth bum, illness, which is going around across, you know, a lot of places here, but especially in the SNS family. Cam, Shane, get better soon. Which hopefully, I know Cam's listening to this. Shane, who knows? Probably not. Either way, guys, see you back next week. Um, promo once again, Sports and Stogies across all social media platforms and podcast platforms wherever you like to listen to your shows. As we always say here on SNS, episode 70 in the books and SNS. To the moon. Thank you.